1: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy.
2: And thanks again so much for joining us here on Winning Ponies. I hope everybody had a a very Merry Christmas, a wonderful Hanukkah, a great Kwanzaa, or whatever it is you like to celebrate last weekend. Don't forget, uh, we've got the new year coming up, but we do have some graded stakes races and out on the west coast covering for the Blood Horse is Jeremy Ballen Uh, Jeremy is going to uh, join us and we're going to take a look at three stakes races from Santa Anita that opened up earlier in the week it is the six and a half furlong midnight loot, brought together some fast runners though missing one of the stars of the race masochistic and I'm sure Jeremy will fill us in on the story behind that Uh, then we're going to go a mile and an eighth on the turf at Santa Anita and that is the race named after the late great Robert Frankel what an interesting race six of the eight starters in this race started their career in another country. And then uh, the, the big one, the grade one, it's the American Oaks. Of course, Oaks always for three-year-old fillies, and uh, there's not much time before the end of the year to get a restricted three-year-old filly race in, but it is a grade one carrying 300,000, but it's on the turf going a mile and a quarter, uh, challenging footing and challenging distance for those that will be participating. So uh, we're going to kind of call this our year in review show uh, with, with Jenny and and Jeremy, and we'll get their different views. Of course, they've got some great ones. And uh, hope you what racing we did able to take in last week, a lot of it in warm weather. Um, of course, uh, if you got pulled down your winningponies.com easy win forms, if you were a nice warm turf paradise, we had a one dollar super three days before Christmas, that paid $3,684. And then way down yonder in New Orleans, where Jenny Reese is right now, a $1 tri-key that paid $3,260. And it's nice and cozy at Tampa Bay Downs, made two nice hits just yesterday. We had a $1 Super 5 box that paid 2427 and a $1 Super, $2,335. So that's certainly going to be a uh, happy new year for the players that pull down the Winning ponies' easy win forms. Well, there is some uh, stakes race action tomorrow at Santa Anita, the Eddie Logan and... The Kalookian Queen, they both carry a $7,500 purse. And Delta Downs has the lookout stakes for $65,000. Now, uh, some other tracks that will be taking in uh, stakes action, albeit not graded action, uh, will be uh, at Laurel and at the Fairgrounds. Uh, also, Tampa Bay Downs, um, Aqueduct, Gulfstream. So uh, those are cards that you're going to want to look at, because several of them, particularly the Fairgrounds and Gulfstream, uh, have multiple wager stakes races involved. Uh, well, want to uh, tip a cap to a person that's been on the show before that I consider a very close friend, and his name is Bill Mooney, the award-winning turf rider who ranks among Thoroughbred Races premier historians of any generation. He was... Uh, Uh, honored with with a a Kentucky Senate proclamation uh, calling Bill Mooney one of the tirelessly workers to preserve the posterity of horse racing's illustrious history. So he was honored not only by the Kentucky State Senate, but the mayor of Lexington, Mayor Gray, called December Bill Mooney month in Lexington. Of course, uh, last time I had Bill on, we didn't bring up the fact that uh, he's been uh, fighting uh, a two-year battle with uh, with serious cancer, but he continues to to fight on. I had about an hour-long conversation on the phone this week, and he's still keeping up his spirits. Of course, uh, uh, Bill. If you read his story on Precisionist uh, that won the Eclipse Award, it's awful hard uh, to read that one and, and not get a little time uh, choked up. Uh, he also won an Eclipse Award in 85 for a story he wrote about Ellis Park back when he was working for the Thoroughbred Record. So, uh, you know, the one thing about Bill is if you read one of his books, you are getting the facts because his legacy was his painstaking research and colorful descriptions of law Long forgotten subjects like the end of racing in Texas, uh, the short-lived tri-state fairgrounds in Huntington, the first West Virginia Derby in 1923. Uh, Bill Mooney, you're a great guy. I hope you're listening. Uh, Keep up the good fight. Uh, You had a uh, a marvelous writing career, and you've got a lot of friends around you. Now, champion Nyquist uh, had a bit of a close call. Uh, of course, he set to stand his first season at stud at Darley in 2017, and he had to undergo colic surgery. He was showing signs of discomfort in his stall. Uh, they got him really quick and, and got him uh, down to the the center at Hayguard and what they say is it was about as straightforward as a surgery you could have given the situation. There was a little twist they had done too. so uh, Nyquist, the champion two-year-old male of 2015, uh, is expected to make a full recovery and uh, quite frankly they expect him uh, to be on schedule for the breeding shed, something I'm sure he's happy to hear about. I'm sure he'll have a, uh, a very solid book this year. Uh, just glad that he got the good response from the Hayguard team. Now, um, <clears throat> we d- did find out <clears throat> that Arrogate will be going this Sunday, New Year's Eve day, in the San Pasquale, I guess he's just jumping out of his skin. He had another beautiful workout, six furlongs and one 12 and one uh, really easy in cruise mode, said Bob Baffert. So Baffert is, uh, has decided to, to run him in that race. And in doing so, uh, he scared off quite a few horses uh, going up against him, though. are, are some solid horses with uh, with the graded stakes uh, success. Uh, you got Prospect Park um Accelerate, who uh, just ran third in the Breeders' Cup dirt mile. Uh, Delmore's in there. Uh, Kent Sormo will be riding for his brother Keith. Uh, Then you've got Midnight Storm, who just put back to back to back to back 100 plus buyer figures. Arrowgate set to break from the outside. Of course, he's only lost one race in his career. That was his maiden race. Going short with blinkers since then, undefeated, and he defeated the great California Chrome. So uh, it looks like he is going in the San Pasquale and that will be on Sunday if you get a chance to see it. Uh, Now we're also looking at the horses that are going to be entered into the Pegasus and it looks like Donegal Stable and the Frankels have teamed up to run Keen Ice in the Pegasus, of course, the 12 spots were all sold for a million dollars a piece. Some people lost their starters in the race. Some people just bought it on a gamble, hoping that they would find a good horse that would want to take the spot. So it looks like the, since he'd been going back into training, Todd Pletcher was kind of pointing him. Towards this, Uh, don't forget, he'll be taking on the likes of Arrogate (laughs) and California Chrome. Uh, But they said, you know, nonetheless, he seems to be moving forward. And uh, Jerry Crawford and his partners from Donegal were impressed with the way he handled Gulfstream Park's track in his last race. Uh, A runner-up finish to another possible Pegasus contender, Stanford, in the Harlan's Holiday Stakes. That was last week. Now, it looks like uh, agreement is in place It's not agreement. There is an agreement to place War Story in the Pegasus, a war story, another success story from the stable of Ron Paolucci, who just continues to surprise people. Now, this was a very quick uh, 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 turnaround. Luch Stables, they've been working for a while with a Ron Schaefer, who's one of the guys that just bought a spot to uh, try to see if he could get a good horse. So Warsaw, he's been, he's been knocking heads with big horses all year long and uh, just came out of a win in the Queens County. He seems to be getting better and better. I think the mile and an eighth will fit him. So good luck to Ron Pealucci. Uh, Going into the Pegasus. Now, California Chrome, of course, will be going. Just had an easy work. And Art Sherman is pleasantly pleased with his chances right now. And um, he uh, went out early because... there were predictions of rain, so we went out a couple days early. It kind of changed his schedule a little bit. Uh, according to Sherman, this work was to get the energy out of them, but also because of the rain. When it rains here, they close the track, and I can't miss any works as we're getting closer to the main event. So uh, California Chrome on his toes heading towards the Pegasus. Uh, Let's see. It was Flavian Pratt who returned to the saddle at Santa Anita Monday to win not one, but two graded stakes races. And he was named the Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week for December 19th. And we included that all the way through uh, the the 26th. He's just had an amazing uh, go of it. So congratulations to flavian pratt we'll be talking to jenny reese later about jockey talk 360 and the creation of this new weekly award congratulations to uh jockey florent Giroux. he's already won 1,000 races and he scored one at the fairgrounds today of course he was born in france entered a jockey school when he's only 13 years old been riding at 17 uh Had a hard time finding an agent, but luckily he ran into Doug Brader, and ever since he did, it's been nothing but success. Uh, He's already uh, won uh, three Breeders' Cup winners, um, and uh, all the world is ahead of Laurent Giroux, the Frenchman, just doing fantastic. Another milestone uh, for a jock that maybe you don't know, but uh, he's really a great guy and a hard worker, Louis also recorded his 1,000th victory of his career, and that just happened yesterday at Mahoning Valley Racecourse, who've been having absolutely sensational days uh, running on these uh, kind of off-season days when sometimes they're the only – Card that's that's going but they did have some full fields they got a lot of action all right now last week uh, we did see mind your biscuit score in the grade one malibu he was an he's a new york bred with a 22 year old trainer (laughs) that likes santa Anita. uh came in and uh ran in the twin spires breeder cup sprint a solid quality third place and under Joel Rosario, Mind Your Biscuits hit the wire in 120 and 4 for his first one grade victory. So, uh, congratulations uh, to uh, the connections of Mind Your Biscuits, and congratulations to young trainer Falcone. Uh, let's also say Conquest Enforcer. Again, the name Ron Paolucci uh, pops up. He uh, decided to go to uh, the sale at Keeneland for the horses of all age. Conquest Stables were uh, selling their horses, and he plunked down quite a bit of money. I believe it was 780000 got a quick return as Conquest Enforcer uh, came back and captured graded stakes race, and uh, he's a grandson of Harlan's Holiday. Who knows? He might bring him back to his home state of Ohio uh, to stand stud someday, he commented to me. And then uh, to win the uh, La Brea Stakes, it was Constellation getting the job done. Some people have rumored a possible trip to the Pegasus, but that's not going to happen. Betty's Bambino won the San Simeon off an amazing layoff. Uh, Had not uh, run in 22 months and came back under joel rosario to get the job done so can get congratulations uh to his connections for taking their time and bringing him back after such a long layoff well that's a look at the the uh action um, nationally what happened last week but right now we're going to uh, start our year in review edition with uh, a person that's been on the show with us many many times uh, a good friend a multiple eclipse award winning writer jenny reese it's not only been a a year in review for racing but uh, a year in review of uh, jenny reese and all the things she's done so thanks for joining us on winnie ponies going to take a little bit of a break we'll be right back
1: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track?
2: All right, and with me, Jenny Reese, no stranger to you listeners at uh, Winning Ponies, and certainly uh, no stranger to anybody that has been reading her writing for over 28 years. That has landed her, I believe, four Eclipse Awards. I'm not shorthanding you, am I?
3: Well, there was a team one for the
2: Courier-Journal that
3: I was highly involved in. So I got one for each finger and the thumb. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, Jenny, before we go into uh, a, a kind of a look back at the year review and racing, and I want to go back to a, re- a year in review of yourself, someone who I know at one point had a little trepidation about, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I'm not right for the Louisville Courier-Journal anymore. But I just want to tell you, I was uh, so happy and pleased, and I led the top of the show uh, with the honors that our good friend Bill Mooney uh, got this past week.
3: Yeah, oh, no, that was, you know, Bill is such a trooper, and he was honored by the mayor of Lexington, and, and uh, you know, his Kentucky State Senator, Reggie Thomas, but he is such a role model, this is, I think a lot of us felt that, you know, he. we want him to hear these things in life, not death, and he's got terminal cancer, and there's just no getting around that, he'll be the first to tell you that, but... He's been such a role model in life and continues to be so involved with, like, the turf riders and and me. He's been very much, you know, asking me about my career. And as somebody who also reinvented himself uh, some years ago, um, suggestions on things to do and ways to do about business. and uh, But he also told me, this about breaks your heart to hear, but this is why he is so beloved, is not only does he want to be a role model in life, but, you know, also a role model in how to die, and which uh, you just hate even hearing, but he's, he's just unbelievable. And we wanted everybody to know how we felt about him
2: as well. Absolutely. I mean, I had a great conversation with him. I was walking the dog the other day and we probably talked for 45 minutes nonstop. And it was just fantastic to, to hear his voice. And you'd never know he's really going through what he is going through. But uh, anyhow, uh, th- that that's the Bill Mooney story. Again, the year in review. But what a year it's been for you. I mean, to do something 28 years of your life and then all of a sudden open the door one day and say, Okay, where am I going? What am I going to do now? You stayed pretty busy, Jenny Reese.
3: Yeah, John, and and I hate to say it, but like you, you're you're saving me a few years. I was actually at the Courier Journal 34
2: years. Oh well, this is from my, this is when I first ratings. interviewed you. We got to update <laughs> your I bio, Jenny. Been,
3: have, have I been lying about my age to you? <laughs> but, but maybe, but maybe anyway. I didn't read you
2: for six years. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: but no. Anyway, so I, I you know, uh, uh, I was at the Travers with American Pharaoh was going to be running, and a corporate buyout drops into my lap, and I had reached the point where I thought uh wow, I had a great job I loved working for the career journal I just as your listeners know I'm married to a trainer Pat Ducrey and I just felt more and more invested on the racing end than on the journalism end and I wanted to be, become an advocate I just see horsemen getting steamrolled by better financed interests and things like that and and thought they really need a communications presence because all horsemen do is worry about their horses. They don't worry about the other stuff. <laughs> so, I was kind of thinking this in the back of my mind, and this buyout shows. So, I'm, okay, yeah. And so, I did take it, and um, I got to say, it's been a very, very interesting year, but it, I'm thrilled with how it went. I'm thrilled with the clients I work for. I'm, I'm the, you know, it's a seasonal job. I'm the PR, for live racing, for Ellis Park, for Kentucky Downs. I do communications work for the Kentucky HBPA and the National HBPA. I do some work for Oaklawn. I work for Indiana Grand for their big stakes week. And I just picked up um, RCI, the Association of Racing Commissioners International, as a client. (laughs) And it's really been thrilling because you don't know when you're old enough to get a corporate buyout. You don't know how people are going to feel about you. Are they going to feel like, (laughs) um, you know, you're old and all that stuff? But the response was really overwhelming. And as you know, I I was also about the same time diagnosed with, thankfully, very, 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 as early as you could diagnose breast cancer. And so you don't know if some people are also, that's going to scare them away. But no, I think people realize what I do, you know, that they thought I brought value to them, and I, I've, it's just been so energizing the past year with these clients that I work for that, um, you know, I'm able to get involved in a little bit of marketing. If you have a good idea, it's like, that's a great... You don't have these corporate layers you have to go through. Um, really, really... Um, yeah, you know, I love newspaper work and everything, but this is, for my time of life, this is where I want to be. And, and, I, like I've said, When I left, I wrote about the problems of racing. I wanted to be part of the solution, and I feel like I'm able to in this situation, and I also feel like my clients are all people that are working hard on being the solution. Like many industries, racing has challenges and stuff, but I'm working for this great, great group and very exhilarating.
2: Well, it comes across, Jenny. I mean, uh, uh, your, your new adventures, uh, you just described them. They've taken you a lot of places. Uh, you've had new adventures. Uh, you've made new friends. Uh, you've worked for many new organizations. I want to talk about one you didn't name drop yet, and that's Jackie Talk 360.
3: Oh, yeah, Jackie Talk 360, absolutely. Uh, I was going to bring that to Kentucky Downs. Um, because Corey Johnson he's president and part owner of Kentucky Downs. He and his son are jockey talk three sixty. And ah, uh, there might be another website that I'm gonna be involved with them starting up. I I, I, I don't wanna say more than that. But I will tell you also another client and but Kentucky Downs and Corey Johnson are the best to, to work for. It
2: absolutely
3: they exactly, exactly. The thing is like you come up with an idea and it's like, that's great, let's do, and it's not, well, that's not your department or something. <laughs> but I should also mention, actually, why like, like Corey was the first one when he called me to say something, they had they had to postpone their big day of racing um, because of rain, and then he had called me, and I said, oh, hey, by the way, I took this buyout, and he was the first one to say, you're hired. Consider that you will be the <laughs> PR director for live racing at Kentucky Downs. That was it. I mean, he didn't call me for that. He didn't know, but he was the first one I told him. The first job I had was actually the NTRA um, hired me to work the National Handicapping Championship. And I'm coming back for the second year for that at the end of January. And uh, that was a great experience. I was part of the social media team. And among other things I, I learned, you know what, there is a place for the old school journalists like me in this era of social media, that we can learn that. And I I like to think I've learned. I've got a lot more to learn. I'm looking forward to that uh, about social media. But, but we know how to tell the stories. We know how to get the information. And then now we're learning through social media how to push it out there. And that's been um, a uh, uh, interesting experience as well. But I want to give props to the NTRA, actually, for... Uh, You know, not leaving me on the bench, you know, when they had some younger people and stuff and thinking I brought value to the
2: table. Well, you, you've obviously you know embraced uh, the, the new methods and I, I know there's a learning curve because I'm still learning it myself but I will say is one that's on your information list from many of the different media outlets that you represent um, my mailbox is full on a regular basis you've done a great job uh, not only with with press releases uh, but with uh, Twitter accounts and things that you've added uh, to other organizations websites and let's face it, uh, while some of the younger people coming out of school may have been doing that stuff since the fifth grade, they haven't been walking on the backstretch and interviewing a famous horsemen for over 35 years. So you bring that to the table.
3: Well, thank you for saying that. One thing I was really proud of, and it was like one of these, I call them schemes that I come up with, but I had this idea for the Breeders' Cup um, about the Kentucky horses, because let's face it, that is is my home base, uh, that I thought a lot of them could be prominent in the Breeders' Cup. And to get there, I asked Kentucky Downs, Kentucky HBPA, Ellis Park, and Jockey Talk 360. They sent me to the Breeders' Cup to cover the Kentucky horses. And it really, I was like a mini wire service. It looked out, worked great. I was sending this stuff out, especially with the two-year-olds where – Churchill downs Space horses were one, two, four in the juvenile. Um, but I also did uh, iPhone video, and uh, and and that got on television because an iPhone six now is the technology is good enough that you can uh, do that. So Fred Calgill with the CBS affiliate in Louisville specifically asked me, "Can you do that?" And so you know, constantly learning, constantly trying to find ways to improve. That it's um, You know, it's just, and then also pushing it. I'm a big believer in this. Let's face it, the mainstream media is really cutting back on covering horse racing. So racing needs to find a way to make it easy and drop it in the lap of that mainstream media if you want coverage. That's what we tried to do with this venture. And I actually called papers and uh, that had some radio stations that, that, even if the horse wasn't based. Where their outlet was. Maybe their owner was. And, right. um, like the Lafayette, Louisiana paper that I knew from when working with Gannett. It's a Gannett paper and they'd run some of my stuff once looking for the Courier Journal. They ran several of my stories, like about Not This Time that Robbie Alvarado was riding, about Dallas's Stewart's Horse, Tom's Ready that Tom Benson owned. Uh, the Delaware paper picked up a story about I'm a chatterbox Keeneland spinster winner that had been stabled much of the year. Plus it won the Delaware or Handicap. And, but it's, it's not easy. You've got to work. You've got to push it out. You can't just send out a press release or racing notes. You've got to follow up with them. And I think also the fact, you know, three decades of having connections and stuff, when I email some I say, this might be something you're interested in, I like to think that, A, they pay a little bit of attention, and, B, they also figure they're going to get some quality in it.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I love that angle, Jenny. I've always preached that. It's like, okay, I'm going to send it to the normal outlets and they're going to be worried about a baseball game or a golf tourney. But, you know, if I send it to perhaps the Dunk Gazette, where the original owner is from, they're going to say, wow, hey, this is a story about Joe Sixpack. Everybody knows him. Let's put this into the paper and while you may not be addressing a uh, audience of millions you're creating interest you know for the local hopefuls and and for this person that won't forget you for it down the road and and there's so much of an opportunity with the multiple partnerships and ownerships and trainers that come from uh, you know from er- everywhere from California to to Ireland uh, there, there's places you can go with those stories where those smaller entities will say hey I'm gonna pick up on this 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 is cool. And I I love that philosophy. And I just, I love what you're doing. I love what you've been done. Um, You know, I I, I don't know if you get paid by the mile or or by the hour, but uh, either way, with the time you put in and the travel you've put in over this past year, Jenny, you've done an outstanding job and just keep me on your list because I love it all. And thank you very much for some of the guests that you've introduced me to.
3: Well, that's part of my job. I mean, I lo- I love that aspect of my job. I I take as much pride if I can get you a good interview on winning ponies that I can, and then I tweet out the podcast and I tweet out. This, I take the pride in that. I've moved on from daily journalism. People say, "Well, couldn't you get a job with so-and-so and so and so?" I'm like, "If I wanted to do that daily journalism, I wouldn't have left the Courier Journal." I <laughs> really. It, it, this is. Mine, the new me <laughs> that I want to, I, I really take right when I was at Ellis Park and the sports editor of the, this is the first weekend of the Evansville paper said, you're the best PR person I've ever worked with. I, John, I'm assuming they'd never worked with you. I'm sure they would have said that. But <laughs> <laughs> I
2: blush, I blush. <laughs> <laughs> but,
3: but, but the point being, I mean, like, I know what I would want in a PR person, you know, and I'm here like, if part of that is. When the TV stations and they send out a new young kid, you know, have these young kids and stuff, they don't know anything about racing. I want it to be a good experience for them. I want to give them a good story and help them get that to where, especially one that they don't need to know a lot of inside baseball, it's horse racing and stuff, and uh, so that they want to come back. So they don't, you know, the assignment editor tells them, I need you to go out to the racetrack. They're like, well, I did that last week. No, I want them to look forward to it and to me and say, hey, you got another story already yet? And, you know, you know how great these story ideas are and and this, how fertile territory this is. But you've got to help expose this new generation of media and some of them is an old generation of media, but that hasn't been exposed to horse racing. But you've got to make them want to come. And it's the same thing with fans. Well, There's Jenny
2: not Reese, a magic you've, you've wand you've done an outstanding job at doing it this last year my my producer's telling me I've, I've got to go to a commercial break which I'd rather talk to you for 45 minutes but that's not in my contract. Uh, thanks for spending the time with us. Uh, thanks for your energy. Uh, thanks for everything you've done for racing uh, o- over the past three decades but I love the fact that you're re-energized and everything you're doing now and uh, uh, congratulate Pat for me your husband on that game third yeah. place uh, made and finished today down at the fairgrounds
3: well thank you so much john always a pleasure
2: all right that was jenny reese in a second well probably 90 seconds we're going to be talking to jeremy Balin from the blood horse you're listening to winning ponies
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, porters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you.
0: Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America... America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice TRN Or follow along with us at Voice TRN, The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up?
1: Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: All right, and with me from uh, the Blood Horse is uh, Jeremy Balin. Uh, he's a uh, third-generation horse player. He grew up going to the races at Santa Anita and Hollywood Park. Well, he can't go to Hollywood Park anymore, but Santa Anita opened up le- uh, last week, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that that brought a smile to your face, Jeremy.
4: Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, all three racetracks here. Um, but, yeah, Santa Anita just sort of feels like home. I grew up about... 20 minutes west uh, of the racetracks, and uh, we're here for so long now, that it's kind of like a, a family uh, at Santa Anita in the press box, so it's uh, definitely the, uh, nice to have everybody come together.
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I am a staunch uh, reader of the Blood Horse, and they're keeping you guys Real busy with all of the uh, the daily uh, releases that are coming out. You know, it's like almost a peek into the magazine before it shows up into the mailbox. Uh, so you, you've been staying very busy. Of course, you didn't have to go too far to go to uh, the, the the Breeders' Cup this year, and uh, there were just so many things that that happened. Uh, but uh, before we. We, we, we talk about maybe the Breeders' Cup and some of the great stories and the, some of the other major things that, that happen in racing. Uh, two things that really knocked me back last week were, number one, what could be the career-ending injury of Gary Stevens and, mm-hmm. sad, sadly, the the passing uh, of the late, great Garrett Gomez.
4: Yeah, um, I mean, the, the Garrett Gomez thing was uh, his his death in in Arizona uh, a couple of weeks ago. Now, that was just a, just a hard story, you know, uh, unfortunately as, as reporters were, were kind of put into the position of, of calling people when, uh, when they're in the midst of, of some of these tragedies. And, you know, I was in, in contact with some of Garrett's, <clears throat> uh, family members on, on that night. And it, it's just, uh, i wasn't around to cover him I've, I'm still relatively new I think i'm coming up on two years covering the sport full time now but uh, by all accounts uh, people praise his 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 uh, his riding his personality obviously he he had some demons along the way and uh, we had some great coverage uh, after the fact as well uh, Alicia wince Hughes who's a, one of our, our relatively new hires did a great great uh uh reaction piece the day after uh, just with people remembering him and and some of the i mean you look at the list of horses that he was on uh for just on breeders cup winners it's just you run down people forget he rode horses like beholder everybody thinks of blame right he was you know he was beholder's uh rider before gary stevens got on so um but just uh, if you just go down the list of all the great horses he's ridden, uh, it's it's really amazing uh, what he was able to do.
2: Yeah, I did uh, re- review his biography, and I had him lined up through his publicist uh, to do an interview with him. And I believe at the time he was at Keeneland, and it was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to be you know talking to him. I'm winning ponies next week. And then all of a sudden, it went poof. He just didn't show up to the races that week. And it was like, I don't believe this, you know, because from reading the book, if you see his life, it's like every time he would go to the summit, he would go to the depths, and uh, if you go back and read about his childhood, uh, not that you can ever make excuses for something like that, but um, it was kind of a system that was almost built into his family and built into him Mm -hmm. at a very young age, and and it was a tragedy. Now, as far as Gary, you know, uh, you you mentioned Beholder, I mean... Mm -hmm. You were at the Breeders' Cup. I mean, his tears were genuine Mm -hmm. after he beat Songbird, which nobody was sure if he really did or not. Um, (laughs) You know, the fact that he would say, this was one of my greatest, you know, feats in racing and greatest mares that I ever rode, considering the horses he's been on during his career. I mean, if he does have to go out, what a great way to go out.
4: Yeah, and it's uh, you know, coming back from a hip replacement, I actually saw him this morning um, he 's out here at the track, you know sitting on the apron, watching the horses warm up so uh, i wouldn't, uh, i wouldn 't put anything past him, but it 's just hard to imagine coming back from something like that after all he 's been through with his knee already um, and then a, a hip replacement. but it, it certainly would not shock me uh, to see him back in, in the saddle again it 's going to take him a little while. But uh, but yeah, that, that race with with beholder and songbird it, it it's a standout for me as as the race of the year, um, to have two champions go head and head for what the last three quarters or three eighths uh, oh yeah, as soon miles. as they
2: turned for home, it was head Bobs uh, all the way. It was great.
4: I, I mean, and, and it, to songbird's credit, it looked like she could have given up three, four times in the stretch there and to dig in on the inside as a relatively young three-year-old against a fully mature race mare, a three-time champion, uh, you know, she's a a centimeter, an inch away from being undefeated still. So uh, I don't even view that as really a loss for her because she, she ran against a, a great mare as a, as a younger horse and, and almost won. So, Uh, it doesn't, I had the pleasure of covering that race. Um, and, uh, you know, the emotions with Mike Smith and, and, uh, and Songbird's connections were, were just as, um, were just as deep. It seemed, you know, Mike did his whole routine that he does after every race. And there were, there was kind of a emotional streak in, in him as well after that, because, you know these these pe- these people who are associated with such great horses. They know how special it is, and uh, to go through something like that, uh, as as gut wrenching as it must be to lose on, on that, you just know that these 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 folks really appreciate what they've been able to experience.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mike, really, he he showed he showed victory in defeat, and he also showed by what he's one of the classiest people out there. Well, you've you've had a pretty amazing year as far as the action being on your side of the coast and the the two that come right to the top right away are California Chrome and Arrowgate i mean mm-hmm. they've been a great storyline all year long yeah
4: i mean i've i've had the had the pleasure of
2: pretty much watching every single one of California
4: Chrome's works uh since he returned from uh that long layoff uh what was that uh a little bit more than a year ago, um, and you know, dealing with the Art and Alan Sherman, and, and uh, on, a, on a, our weekly appointments on on Saturday mornings at Los Alamitos, uh, and just the way that that they prepare, just may, maybe one of the best horse racing stories on its face of all time. Uh, it's just it's just an incredible experience for them and. You know they're they're joking about what they're going to do now. They're going to have to go back to eating uh, tortillas and beans now that uh, their their big money earner is is leaving the barn. <laughs> but um, you know he's and arrogant. There I always I always tell people there they've been running mile a quarter at Saratoga for a long time and only one horse has run under two minutes and that is that is arrogant and uh, to have those two. Dueling in in, in in the stretch there uh, in the final 16th and to have Erica come out on top wasn't the result that I think a lot of people were hoping for, but uh, th- we can all hope that maybe we can get a little recreation of that uh, in about a month now.
2: Well, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you're going to get to see, uh, you know, the, the prep on Sunday. We already saw, you know, California Chrome. I'm not that familiar with Los Alamitos, but I understand that it used to be a bull ring and it appears that they extended it, but those turns still uh, it looked awful tight. And for California Chrome to be parked probably about eight wide for the entire race <laughs> and just Blow him away in track record time without ever, you know, I don't know if he's ever felt the whip. What uh, was was just an awesome performance. So it, the the setup for the Pegasus is fantastic.
4: Yeah, that. Uh, I mean, Los Al's uh, it's it is a weird configuration. They still have their tight bull ring for for their nighttime racing, um, but they have expanded kind of beyond that to, to accommodate daytime thoroughbreds. But yeah, that that first being as wide as he was in that first turn and losing that amount of, of ground and to still, and to be wide again in that long sweeping second turn that, that Los Al has it, it, to set a track record with little asking. And, you know, I know the field wasn't very good. Everybody, everybody knows that it's fielded criticisms across the country, but uh, if you have eyes, you watch the race, you know how impressive that, that run was and to, they don't run a ton of mile on a 16th races at, at Los Al, but it was, it was really a special, special moment for, to kind of send off the California horse who people, people really identify as this, this long shot of a breeder breeding horse who won the Kentucky Derby. And that, I mean, we're going to see, we're going to see a Kentucky Derby winner race at six years
2: old. When's the last time we could say that happened? Um, uh, unless it was a gelding like Clyde van Dusen or somebody <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can you know I mean even Funnyside didn't race that much uh, after the derby we know that uh, that he was a gelding, and it's you know and this is a full horse who just seems to get more and more robust uh by any chance were you on hand for his most recent work
4: i was it was this morning um it was you know it, it wasn't his standard. Workout that that he kind of goes through as he's getting closer to a race, which is slow early and usually quick late. It was more of an even, you know, forty-eight and one. I think the first quarter was twenty-four and two, so it was a little bit more even than normal. But that's that's exactly what they wanted. He's he's such a professional in the mornings now. You know, he does exactly what his exercise rider, the, the Haji Gladney, wants, and what the Shermans want, and they wanted to get a little. Get a little air into him and uh, get a little bit of his energy out because he's been uh, been pulling through his gallops uh, recently, and also the the rain upcoming kind of forced their hand um, with his training. So they're actually going to get another work in at Los Alamitos next week, weather permitting, uh, before shipping out the Gulfstream. So they're they're pretty uh, they've been pretty flexible with. His training uh, during the winters when, when rain might come and, and throw things off, and, and today was just another example of that.
2: Well, uh, Alan and Art Sherman, just two class acts, and uh, I, I, again, obviously the biggest horse they've ever had. But, you know, I think with the support of TaylorMade Farm, and I think with the fact that uh, it looks like California Chrome's going to get uh, uh, an excellent book of broodmares because of the way that Taylor Made has handled the partnerships, uh, that down the road they're probably going to have some of his babies, and, you know, I hope it continues. Also, anybody that's just watched what they've done with this horse, because obviously when the horse was out of their hands, it was a dismal performance you know mm-hmm. they they were the ones that uh, single-handedly rejuvenated them after the return from tailor-made farm. so uh, i i hope this is a story that has a long long happy ending well um you're going to be lucky on saturday because from looking at the national uh, stakes uh, schedule uh, you're going to be near the only place that's going to have not one but three graded stakes races, starting with the third race at, at Santa Anita. It's the Midnight loot at kind of the rare distance of six and a half furlongs. And uh, while I'm down to about six minutes in the show, it's too, fielded, uh, too bad that uh, no masochistic is going to be in there. It seems like Ron Ellis has tried to done do everything by the books to try to, you know, let the – Stewards and everybody know what's been going on. Obviously, everybody reacts to medications differently. And uh, I forget the exact what it was that was in his system. Just didn't leave in time for the Breeders' Cup. He got DQ'd from that. Uh, he's They've been monitoring him day by day to try to get in the midnight loop. But they said, hey, we don't have the time to really worry about it. And we're not going through this again. So uh, Masochistic won't be in the field, which only gives us a, a field of five. And it looks like this uh Saint Joe Bay is a, the legitimate one to beat when they turned him back to six and a half furlongs uh you know what a wake-up call it at, at 104 speed buyer last time out
4: yeah it was it was a i think it was a bit of a surprise to some people that 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 horse went to the lead he was he was on the lead uh going two turns but uh well not not really actually he was he was not he was dueling in some of them, but, uh, for, for him to go out and, and take it to some pretty fast horses in that race after, after routing and to to pull away to win by six or so lengths was, was super impressive. Uh, but you're right about masochistic. This, this is now a, a big opportunity for a lot of these horses who, and none of them have won graded stakes, uh, to, to get that, that grade three win. Um, you know, the, Jimmy Bouncer on the outside has, has run well on dirt before, but he's, he's primarily been on turf recently. Uh, so, so I talked to Doug O'Neill today. He said that they, they view this as a, as a big opportunity to, to get a great at stakes when you know, it looked like it was going to be a, a possible walkover with Masochistic. So uh, I think there's a lot of connections in here who are hoping to seize on that effort, opportunity.
2: Yeah, and he's a Redham homebred. Of course, the connections of, of, of Nyquist are in there, including uh, Mario Gutierrez. But, yeah, they definitely look in the short field like uh, like the two to beat. Well, the, the following race, this is kind of intriguing. I wish I had more time. But uh, Jeremy Balin from the Blood Horse, uh, the, the Robert Franco Memorial, uh, they're going a mile and an eighth on the turf. Six of the eight of these horses started their careers on foreign soil. <laughs> you know, you, you're you comparing apples to oranges for almost the entire field. The one that really draws my attention is Ryan's. Charm, okay? This horse was bred in Kentucky, apparently a 15 time winner in Peru. He's going to be ridden by one of the leading graduates at the Peru Jockey School, Rafael Beirano. Uh, he has oriental ownership and he's trained by Patrick Gallagher. If he wins, you're going to have one heck of a story.
4: <laughs> International affair, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the things that stand out about the Frankel in particular are. One is the impending weather. Um, there is, I think, a 90% chance of rain on Saturday and I think a 70% chance on Friday. And this turf course, they've been very, very, very cautious with it in, in these last year or so. Uh, as they, they just put it, actually, a new one in for, for the Breeders' Cup. So I'm a little concerned that maybe this race doesn't make it on the turf, and that kind of blows up the handicapping <laughs> angles um, because all these horses are, are pretty primarily turf horses. So uh, there's concern with that and also with the with the late turf race, which is, which is a grade one. Um, I wouldn't be, uh, the American Oaks, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they shorten up that race from a mile and a quarter to a mile and an ace, because uh, at Santa Anita, the, the unique setup with the downhill turf course, they start those mile and a quarter races coming down the hill and problem with that is uh when rain comes it particularly affects the crossover onto the dirt course if you for those who are familiar with uh with that turf with that turf dirt transition so they what they've done in the past is they have shortened these these races to a mile and an eighth to in in the in the name of safety to uh because that that crossover is particularly perilous when things get wet
2: out here so it you know uh, i'm a little am- go ahead it it amazes me when I watch those races that more horses don't jump the shadows or react to that patch of dirt mm-hmm. they have to go across It really does amaze me and
4: it's you know when things do get wet out here that's the biggest that's the biggest complaint from from a lot of the jockeys is that is that transition because it's already hard enough to navigate horses down there and and it's not like a race down the all the way down the hill which is six and a half where you you're flying, you know. It's it's sort right. of halfway up, but um, they've done it in the past where they've moved these mile and a quarter turf races, or even that mile and a. I think there was a mile and a seven-eighth graded stakes last year that they moved to, uh, or they think they moved it to the back stretch and altered it a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's it's a concern handicapping in advance for 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 Saturday and even tomorrow, um, just as how much rain we're going to get how cautious the the track management is going to be with the turf course. I I think they're going to do everything they can possibly do to keep the grade one on the turf. Not so sure about the grade three, so that kind of it it puts a little damper on things when when you're looking at, at reading ahead for these things.
2: All right, Jeremy Ballen. It looks like uh, my producer's telling me I got about two minutes. Uh, Going a mile and a quarter on a turf. It's an Oaks, which means three-year-old fillies. Uh, Most of them have never gone the distance. The one mystery horse in here that has not only gone but won at the distance is sassy little Lila. Brad Cox, who's uh, batting 27% on the East Coast, uh, comes in with a horse that's been running at Saratoga Belmont Aqueduct and brings in uh, Louis Sayaz with him. Uh, That looks like an interesting horse interesting horse. Uh, it's already scored at the distance and of course it's hard to ignore anything uh, Graham Motion brings in especially when he brings one of his jocks from New York Queen Blossom, a horse with Irish roots. So, In about a minute, can you capsulize this race that has pretty much a pretty full field? <laughs> yeah,
4: the I mean the Philly and Mare divisions on the grass uh, in recent years on the west coast have really been crapshoots and I certainly would not I mean a lot of these horses just Back and forth beat each other so i certainly would not rule out somebody like grand motion who who was almost unstoppable at at delmar uh this fall uh one with miss temple city one with uh a couple other couple other graded winners um during that meet so uh when he ships in a horse uh like like queen blossom who is you know a group three winner on soft turf uh in ireland so you start thinking about how soggy things get out here. That's a whole nother thing, but I have, I have no doubt in my mind that if Graham motion is shipping a horse out here for a grade one, uh, that horse is likely to fire. So, um, I think that's the most intriguing runner to me in, in that group.
2: All right. Well, uh, You know, uh, Jeremy Balin, again, from the Blood Horse, enjoy uh, your coverage of the racing out there. You've been a very, very busy man uh, this year. But uh, I'm glad to see you making your way uh, in the industry. And uh, I'm glad you're on with that great Blood Horse staff and wish you nothing but the best. and, And thank you so much for being on with us tonight on Winning Ponies.
4: No problem at all. Thanks for having me.
2: Okay, that was Jeremy Balin from the Blood Horse. Of course, earlier we, we had uh, multiple Eclipse Award winning writer Jenny Reese. It's hard to say who she's with anymore because it seems like anytime time uh, she's got uh, a, a few days available, somebody wants to pick her up to help uh, cover their event. But uh, always a thrill and uh, to, to hear from Jenny. Uh, she brings so much excitement to the sport. want to remind everybody – Go to winningponies.com, pull down those easy win forms because there's some good racing coming and it's going to be the new year that we're breaking in on Sunday. So uh, for... uh, producer matt widener and james and izzy messery and all of us uh here at winning ponies uh we want to thank you for tuning in remember tell your friends if you enjoyed the show that hey they can get it real easy on podcast by going to winningponies.com well that'll pretty much close it out for me wherever racetrack you go to remember folks bet with your head not over it